This is the great house as it looks in a strangely different time. A time existing parallel with our own, but in which people who look familiar to us are actually strangers, leading completely different lives. It was Barnabas Collins who first discovered the existence of this other band of time, and then found his way into it. But just as it is in our band of time, the denizens of parallel time must also face the unending terror at Collinwood. through the mysterious doorway that leads to the strange and terrifying world of parallel time. I want to thank everyone who's been reviewing the podcast, uh, and I really appreciate everyone who stepped up and did that uh, on Apple Podcasts. I saw lots of new reviews come up, uh, some familiar names in there too. Uh, but yes, thank you for doing that. To everyone who's reviewed past, present, and future, please do make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and also share. Tell your friends, uh, people who are into dark shadows, let them know about this podcast. So thank you again for that. And one other thing, be sure to pick up the September issue of Scary Monsters Magazine. It is the horror host Halloween issue. And there is an interview with dun dun dun, Penny Dreadful. Jason Stranges interviewed me for the issue and I talk all about horror hosting, the horror host show uh, that I did for 10 years, but I also talk about terror at Collinwood and Dark Shadows. Scary Monsters uh, Magazine frequently features Dark Shadows topics uh, and has for many years. And Dark Shadows has been featured on the cover quite a few times, but uh, this one has some classic horror hosts on the cover, and um, thank you to Jason for interviewing me and Don and Vicky Smeraldi, the editors of the magazine. They've been doing a great job with Scary Monsters, so thank you, and be sure to pick it up. Uh, it should be, you know, your local book magazine stand or bookstore, Barnes & Noble carries it, or you can get it online at the Scary Monsters magazine website, mymoviemonsters.com. And now, let's get on with the show. Be careful, my friend, where you tread, for I warn you now, there are spoilers ahead. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood. Tis I, your hostess, Danielle. Or am I Penny Dreadful? I don't remember who the heck I am anymore. This is what happens when you're 700 years old. And I have some very exciting guests with me today. This is the crossover to end all crossovers. I've been wanting to do this episode for quite a while. And I am joined today by Jewel T. Sains, who launched the resident of Collinwood YouTube channel podcast in 2018. His channel content features discussions with an assortment of guests covering a variety of topics ranging from Dark Shadows storylines to character discussions to a series of videos on Dark Shadows villains. Kara Tillits and Kristen Pierce launched the Between the Shadows podcast in March of 2021. Together, these two sisters of the shadows dive into in-depth discussions about the 
Dark Shadows storylines and characters as they make their way through the series chronologically. Today, we're having a Dark Shadows podcast crossover specifically to discuss the 1970 parallel time storyline. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Oh, my goodness. It's a, it is a pleasure having you guys here. This beverage I have here is not anything. Uh, it's Hemlock Brew. So it's about, but I still cool. we're going to we're still going to have a good time here. Uh, um, so but if I pass out, you just keep going without me because you guys are pros. You've been doing this podcast thing uh, longer than I have at all of you. Um, uh, the, Between the Shadows, you started a couple couple months before I did. Yeah. And Jewel, you've been at it for for quite a while. Uh, so I want to I want to talk about what inspired you to launch your podcasts. And I also want to hear about what got you into Dark Shadows in the first place. So let's start with uh, Kara and Kristen, and then we'll go over to Jewel. And uh, I want to hear all about this. I, I know you'll hear it from both Kristen and I evenly, but we got started with Dark Shadows, uh, our dad introduced us when we were very small children. He was watching it live as a kid rushing home. He was watching it live and he continued to watch it after we were born and it stuck with us forever. <laughs> so got to the point where it, it scared me at first, but the older I got, the more intrigued that we were and the more we just couldn't stop watching. It was so interesting and intriguing and spooky and oh, love it. Love it so much. Yeah. Was your dad uh, getting the, the DVDs or the tapes from MPI or? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He, we, every weekend um, he would order, he would have a new Dark Shadows disc from Netflix when Netflix oh. was sending you discs and yeah. we were watching every weekend. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Very yeah. cool. Uh, did you ever get into uh, any of the collecting the merchandise or anything like that? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> the, the separate collections themselves. And then finally, my most prized possession, I got the coffin box set thing it was like my most prized possession right now (laughs) yeah that coffin set everybody loves that and it's such a cool thing to to have so uh now how old were you are at this point i'm 33 right now Oh, no, no. I meant at that time when you were watching. You just gave away your age. (laughs) I can edit that if you want. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We had to have been five, six, and seven in the beginning when we first saw it. Oh, nice. Pretty much our entire lives. Very cool. And then what led to the podcast? The podcast, we, every time we got together, all we could talk about is Dark Shadows. And I'm like, eventually we've got to do something with this because this is all we talk about when we get in the same room and Mm -hmm. we go our separate ways and we we both continue to keep watching it as like we we should do something with this and then covid came and that was the time of podcast i'm like we could do this you know and yeah. it just kind of took off from there and it's it's been mm-hmm. one of the the biggest things that brings me joy in life is this podcast yeah. i love it so much <laughs> awesome and yeah you guys have a, just a great rapport together when you're when you're speaking and it's yeah. your your sisters so it's clear that you know you have that great bond as you're discussing That's the, the show for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, the same same for me. With the, during COVID, it was just the perfect time to yeah. when when that was going on. It was like, well, I can't really go anywhere. I can't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And it's just you know, I've loved Dark Shadows my whole life, yes. and I just felt like I like we it. we had never found so much free time on our hands, and then COVID sure. came like we got to do this we got to do something (laughs) right 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 yeah oh that's awesome and jewel how about you how did you first discover dark shadows and what led to your youtube podcast well i first discovered dark shadows when it was re-airing on the sci-fi channel Uh uh-huh and 
my mother had gotten me into horror in the 90s, about 1990s. The first movie she ever showed me was John Carpenter's Halloween. And after that, she pretty much left me to myself. <laughs> like, it's all you. Um, because that's how she was. Like, it's like, I'll show you some horror things, but you can watch the rest all by yourself. And Halloween is quite an introduction to the horror genre. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's like, thanks, Mom. Um, but... <laughs> So I was watching it one day. I was watching Dark Shadows, and my mom's like, "What are you watching now?" Because by this time, I'd watched it. like I literally had a crash course of horror in the nineties, and so I'd seen the Universal monsters. I'd seen how I'd seen pretty much. I felt like everything, and I'm like, "Oh, what's this?" And here I seen this woman, this train. I'm like, "This is interesting. I'm going to watch this," and that's what hooked me. Nice. So you got it right from the very first episode, then, huh? Yeah, they had, I don't know what possessed sci-fi to show it in order, but I'm glad they did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whoever made that decision, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was that was really a big deal because prior to that, it was in syndication. It was always the first Barnabas, uh, the release of Barnabas from the coffin. So uh, that first, you know, 10 months of the show was, you know, locked away and we never thought we were going to see that. You know, so it was amazing that Sci-Fi Channel started airing that. And of course, MPI putting out the Dark Shadows, the beginning tapes later on. So we finally got to see that and the last year of the show uh, as well. Um, and so, Jewel, what led you to start the Resident of Collinwood podcast? You talk about other things as well, but primarily it's it's Dark Shadows. But you, you touch on other things as well. So what inspired you to launch that? Really, my favorite superhero caused this, and that's The Shadow. Oh, the shadow. Yeah. Because <laughs> the shadow doesn't get talked about at all. And it's sort of gone into this. I'm not saying there aren't fans of it out there. There are. Mm-hmm. But when you think of that in Dark Shadows, you're sort of like, you don't want it to get sort of put on the back burner. And I think the biggest like difference between the two primarily is the shadow had an imitator called Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Batman, Batman, look, Bill Finger and Kane, they, they ripped off of the shadow. And I think because that's the primary issue, that's why the shadow went away. It, the shadow at one point in time was a big bigger radio reached a lot of people you know back in the day oh for sure you know and the pulps were amazing so with dark shadows i looked at that and i'm like i don't want that to end up like the shadow so i'm like i want to i want to talk about it on a podcast so i did i just started i kept going and going and going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's great, Joel. Uh, and you that's an I, I love that you brought that up because that's something that frustrates me a lot sometimes with regard to Dark Shadows is I, you know, I have friends who are like really into vampire stuff and everything. And um and then the, there's like a blank space where when Dark Shadows is concerned and they love like stuff like uh you know the Anne Rice stories and novels and the uh you know true blood and things like that. And it's like, well, you don't get uh Louis without Barnabas, you don't get Bill Compton without Barnabas, all of the vampire diaries, all of that, that Dark Shadows is such an instrumental part of that, you know, so I I get that desire on your part to want to keep that in the in the zeitgeist you know keep that people aware of that for sure um awesome and uh the shadow uh you know it's funny i had when i had uh, jim uh beard on here he taught i asked him like what character he'd like to see dark shadows in dark shadows a uh, pulp cows he's a big pulp 
guy. He, he writes pulp stories and stuff. And uh, he said the shadow would be the one he'd like to see show up in Dark Shadows. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought of you because I know you're a big fan of those <laughs> well, the shadow. Here's the thing. The shadow has so many. Most people think the shadow is Lamont Cranston, but he's not. If you read the pulps, he's Ken Allen. You know, and he doesn't, the shadow has no real face. That's sort of what gets, mm-hmm. what gets revealed in the Black Master, that when the Black Master takes off the hat, oh, the man of so many faces has none of his own. Oh, and okay. that's always been the intrigue. He's, he can literally be anybody at any given point. He, he could be standing next to you. You wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Awesome. So are you gonna are you gonna do a, a shadow podcast at some point? <laughs> no, there's there's a gentleman who uh, Razor Fist who does the shadow cast, and I, I listen to his shadow cast religiously. So okay, very cool, guys. Well, thank you for sharing your dark shadow story with me. We're we have a lot to cover today because we're going to be talking about 1970 parallel time, uh, which <laughs> which is such a awesome just crazy story line and i'm just I, dan curtis was a, a madman just to come up with just this uh, parallel parallel universe idea for dark shadows which of course you know existed prior to dark shadows um you know there's the famous uh, star trek episode mirror mirror uh and then um we had uh, there were there are quite a few uh, you know stories that predate that that sidewise in time is a, an early example from the pulps uh astounding stories i think it came from and uh, there were quite a few others the twilight twilight zone episode i believe the parallel um so parallel universes uh were an idea prior to dark shadows and i, I was talking to my friend uh steve shutt who was on here for the grayson hall episode and he he feels you know mirror mirror was probably what inspired dark shadows uh, dan curtis to use a parallel time I th- or the writers or dan curtis and i think he's right mm-hmm. in that regard because it was not long before that dark shadows it's possible we will never know i wish we could be in those meetings right to find out how that how that (laughs) happened right um but yeah and um this parallel time 1970 parallel time storyline as is often the case with dark shadows it weaves in all these different uh other existing stories right so we have in addition to the idea of this parallel universe existing, we have two big stories going on. We have the Rebecca storyline, the Daphne du Maurier story. And then we also have the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Robert yes. Louis Stevenson. And then there are a few other things woven in there. We have like an Agatha Christie murder mystery happening. Um, the movie Laura is kind of in there. I also, I also think there's a dash of Lovecraft's The Case of Charles Dexter Ward. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the lookalike, like coming back, the ancestor. Well, in that, it's it's the the guy summons his, brings his ancestor back to life, and he looks exactly like him, and he kills him and takes his place. So mm-hmm. there's some of that going on with the Alexis Angelique thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some really interesting things going on here. Maybe a little Lygia, I don't know. Um, but what what did I guess before we kind of just break down the storyline a little bit? What did you all think of 1970 parallel time? I guess. It kind of a divisive storyline some for some fans um like it dislike it what are your thoughts i couldn't stop watching i i loved this this era of dark shadows it it, it, brought, it came in in a time where we were kind of disappointed because barnabas once again was a vampire 
And we had to we had to deal with that. We had to deal with his heartbreak because I think this time around Barnabas was a more reluctant vampire than he was when he came on the show because he had a taste of being a real man again. And he used parallel time to try to escape his curse because he he found the book about Barnabas, about his ancestor. But, you know, the his, his life, you know. Mm-hmm. and saw it as a possible escape and when he got there he was almost immediately captured and realized that he had made a mistake but I just couldn't stop watching even though Barnabas wasn't even in it for like the first half you know I just just couldn't couldn't stop watching it was so intriguing so interesting and and, and I love the idea of parallel time I love the idea of thinking that there's another me out there who's making different decisions and stuff. So I loved it. <laughs> I would have to say, like, I have to say this because I am so into Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and David Lynch. I'm so into him and this parallel time. And it's like Dan Curtis just scratched the surface of this ether almost world, like the parallel time and mm-hmm. and the nineteen seventy it's not like we were going back into the past. It was present day and present time, but just a different life for the first time. I think we came across that. And that was really interesting. It was still all modern and present day, just a different parallel universe. And it it was so, like you said, I couldn't put it down. I couldn't turn it off. Like it was so intriguing, very intriguing. Really. I love how, the book just gets flung through. It made me think, okay, if that book came through and they're now just introducing parallel time, we have to believe that parallel time has always been there, even prior to the house being built. And it makes you think, well, is this why Collinwood was built? Is because of parallel time? Was it because somebody knew that was, was it Joshua or Jeremiah who knew, hey, there's something here and they built the house? Mm-hmm. And so when you see the Barnabas picking up the book written by Holland's head Lewis, it's really it's really intriguing. It's like you want to tell Barnabas like like no dog, it ain't gonna work out how you think. That Barnabas has already <laughs> lived his life, man. Uh, you can't. So you sort of you already feel sorry for Jonathan even more, thinking he can escape this because, buddy, there's no escape in Angelique. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's uh, it's really uh, just a fascinating concept. He sees that room in the East Wing, and we hadn't seen much of the East Wing prior to this. We spent a lot of time in the West Wing. We hadn't seen much of the East Wing, so we're in the East Wing, and we see this uh, room that that changes. Barnabas opens the doors. I think is when he's looking for Megan Todd as a, the vampire. Yeah. Megan yeah. opens the doors, and you see this other world, this completely different universe. And he starts seeing people who look just like the counterparts in the in the main. Mm-hmm. Time band, um, and that's an uh, that's a, a great theory about parallel time always existed. And my thought on that is, what, how did that gateway to the parallel time band open up in the first place? Because yes. Dark Shadows has always been, if you look at like the time travel and everything, it tends to function according to the occult versus. Uh, like a like a time machine. Even Quentin Stairway is a metaphysical experiment, you know, like more like a talisman, I think Warren Watson called it. And then you have the I Ching and, and then you have the seance that sends Vicky back in time. And it's like, is all this occult tampering with, with time, is this weakening the barriers between dimensions or 
what is how how did this happen? My uh, my friend Eric also had this. I've mentioned this before that the ground where Colin was built is cursed. It's enchanted. It's always been cursed ground, you know. So all this weird stuff happens. But this idea of a parallel universe uh, is just fascinating. Now, do you all think that 1970 parallel time is the same parallel time as 1841 parallel time? Is it the same time band, or are they distinct? Time? Does that door lead to different time bands, or is it the same time? I, I kind of think it's a different, I think it can go to different time bands. I think that it doesn't have to be the same one because when they came back at the tail end, they went to 1995 of their own universe. Yeah. And instead of, you know, just crossing back through to, to, you know, present time, 1970, their own universe. So I, I definitely think that it was a portal to more than just this parallel time. Also, it took you to the future. So, I mean, yeah. It could have. I think. I think they're totally separate. That's my vote. <laughs> yeah. Well, it it kind of reminds me of the um, when they were doing the I Ching. They were like, you don't know what you're going to throw down on the table, and yep. you don't know what you're going to find behind the door. Like, I, I feel like it's like that. Like, like you were saying, it's like it doesn't. Ha- you could end up anywhere through whatever gate you find. Not specifically this time or that, but I think you could land anywhere. I think yeah. you just don't know. And I think because Professor Stokes, I feel just he explained it so well. He talked about the button on his sleeve, you know, he was like, if you stand a certain way, you can't see it at all. But if you stand this way, because they couldn't see 1995 when they stood in that room, but they could see their own parallel time. So I think standing in that room, you know, you could be shifted anywhere. And, you know, because they were standing in the right place, they saw their own parallel, but, you know, maybe perhaps different times, like they went to 1995, maybe that's the part you can't see, even if you're standing in the right place, but maybe like your own parallel, you could see, I don't know. I just, Mm -hmm. I love the way he explained that. Yeah. Oh, it's a great, yeah, it is a great explanation. Professor Stokes is always awesome for the the explanations (laughs) of the unknown. How about you, Jewel? What what are your thoughts on 1841 parallel time, 1970 parallel time, uh, distinct time bands? I think they're the same. Like they connect. Because with 1995, I more think that's because Judah Zachary has more interfered at some point in time. Mm -hmm. That some, again, it gets into the logic of not just parallel time, but time travel. If mm-hmm. we've already seen one ghost sort of transcend time with with uh, Quentin, yeah. you know, whether you believe it's Quentin or not. Uh, so here's Judah Zachary. He transcends that now with the parallel time room. My question would be, we know the book came through. Did somebody else come through prior to the book? Did a parallel time Victoria winners already come through? You know, that, those are questions to me that need asked when you think about the parallel time room, because we already know if Barnabas and Julia can go, then those people who are in parallel time can come to their world. And it yeah. who came. Yeah. Good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. have the best points. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Really? um yeah it's it's really fascinating i mean this is actually a concept that exists in in physics you know uh, that uh, quantum physics that that that, uh, a parallel universes could could exist um and then we also i mean i mentioned a few examples we also have the dc comics did the flash of two worlds and steve mentioned to me a a subway named mobius which i had never heard of uh so with dark shadows though i always feel like it's there has to be some paranormal element to it for it. It, it works 
best. It's less sci-fi and more something paranormal that that manifested to cause this to take place. I think it legit is a parallel universe, but what caused that to exist? And that's what Dark Shadows, they leave you like those questions like that, that you will fill in the blanks, like what what did this? But um, so Barnabas goes into this into this dimension and the way I'm going to do it this time for these these storyline discussions can get pretty uh, dense. So uh, I'm going to just read. I, I pulled this off Wikipedia and I'm going to just read a, a segment here of the storyline and then we'll just talk about it. We'll comment on it and give our thoughts on the characters uh, that were introduced to and also just th- those story elements themselves. So the first chunk of this uh, is um, Barnabas Collins enters a room and snap whoops holy moly <laughs> i've entered parallel time uh, <laughs> <laughs> Barnabas Collins enters a room in the East Wing and finds himself in a parallel universe of 1970. Speaking of, by the way, I love the ode to Angelique theme. Uh, oh, isn't that an amazing theme song? I love. I feel like that song doesn't. That theme doesn't get enough credit when people. People always think of Quentin's theme, which I love too, and Josette's Music Box also love it. But yeah. that ode to Angelique is such a beautiful theme, and I, yeah. And you first hear it is that tinkling, tinkly music like mm-hmm. uh and i just remember the first time i saw that when i was i must have been in my teens at that point and i just remember being like just totally transfixed like yeah. wow this is crazy like what is what is going on what's going to happen you know like i had some i had read some summary in Catherine lee scott's book but i wasn't you know the finer details of that it was just became this really you know something that really pulled me in. Um, Quentin Collins is the master of Collinwood and his wife, Angelique Stokes, has recently died. Quentin has just married Maggie Evans, who most of the Collins family disapprove of. William H. Loomis, the uh, alternate version of Willie Loomis, is a struggling writer living in the old house on the Collinwood grounds and is married to Carolyn. William soon learns of Barnabas's secret of being a vampire and imprisons him in his own coffin in the basement of the old house for several weeks. During this, Alexis Stokes, Angelique's sister, arrives at Collinwood. Alexis is terrified when the piano in Angelique's room starts playing by itself. She's convinced that her sister is still at Collinwood in spirit. During an excursion to Angelique's grave, her body is found to be perfectly preserved in her coffin, despite being dead six months. Alexis goes to Angelique's coffin. When she touches the body, Angelique awakens and switches places with Alexis. Quentin has Angelique's coffin cremated, not knowing that it now contains the real Alexis. Angelique, determined to find the person responsible for her death, poses as her twin sister. During this, Barnabas is freed from his coffin and turns the tables on William, making him his daytime protector slash slave as the real 1970 time. Barnabas soon discovers that Alexis is really Angelique. So that's a lot. Uh, And we have, there's a lot more that happens here. We meet uh, all of these parallel versions. We meet Quentin, uh, who and uh, Alex, uh, uh, Angelique was once the mistress of Collinwood. Her huge portrait is there in the center of her room, dominating the room, and she just dominates the entire house. Even though she's uh, dead, everybody was obsessed with Angelique. Uh, every, it seemed everybody, and particularly Hoffman, uh, who was the Mrs. Danvers character played by uh, Grayson Hall. Uh, who's, you know, just, and I read um, an interesting 
essay years ago by a war I mentioned him earlier, Warren Otson. And his theory, he had a really wild theory that parallel time was actually like a Judah Zachary's construct. It was like, I don't, I don't agree with that, that it was like, he called it parahel time and it was Barnabas was trapped and it was a cool idea. But I, I was, um, but one thing he pointed out that I definitely agree with, if you look at it, parallel time, there are so many inversions of what we saw in the main time band. It's like an opposite mirror effect. Like we have um, instead of freeing Barnabas from his coffin, Willie chains Barnabas in his coffin in parallel time. Uh, instead of being uh, obsessed and in love or in love with Barnabas, uh, Hoffman seems to be in love or it's implied in love with Angelique and obsessed, fixated on Angelique. Angelique is the mistress of, of Collinwood. Um, uh, Jeb Hawks in the main time band is a monster who turns into a man, but in parallel time, the, the Chris Penna character is a man who turns into a monster like it's just there are all these opposites happening and i love how they did that the writers dark shadows writers were geniuses i loved how they did that um but um talk talk to me what do you what did you think of this whole let's talk about angelique the angelique alexis uh, the rebecca storyline basically that you know that we have going on what did you think I will say Angelique got exactly what she wanted finally. It was just fun about it. It was in parallel time. She got to be the mistress and ruler, if you want to say, of Collinwood. She got exactly what she wanted. It was just funny that it was parallel time. Mm-hmm. But it was different and new to see and see how she would act. She was dead when we came in on the scene. But you can imagine and still kind of see because the way people admired her and loved her and just worshipped her. It obviously spoke for something she did, you know, as mistress, like she ruled, (laughs) she ruled. Yeah. The the one thing that you, uh, the one thing that you find out about this Angelique in parallel time is that it's not the Angelique. She is a descendant from the Angelique is what we find out. Yes. And Mm -hmm. she, I think for me personally, I think that this Angelique, I feel like she's like way more wicked than, than 1795 Angelique. And I think that because, you know, Angelique in 1795, she, she was just purely a witch, you know, she was part of a coven. She wanted what she wanted and she wreaked havoc. And so did this Angelique, but she wasn't introduced to, she wasn't like always a witch, you know, she wasn't a supernatural being. She was just someone who was so into the occult. She wasn't a witch herself. She was human, but Mm -hmm. so I don't, and I think, I think that by itself, her being human, but still, you know, has enough evil that, you know, that, that she's interested in that she can do all these things to these people around her, you know, take whoever's life force after she took Alexis, you know, and, and didn't matter who it was. I think eventually it was Roger, you know, it just didn't matter. And so I I just think that the fact that she was purely human, but was so deep into the occult, I feel like made her just a little bit more evil than than 1795 Angelique, because we already knew she was evil. Well, that that was that was what followed her. We we, we knew that about her. But this Angelique, my gosh, there was like nothing stopping her. So I she she shocked me again. You know, (laughs) it was was nice to see Laura Parker play a nice girl for once, you know. Yes, I agreed. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you she realize she did Alexis. <laughs> yeah. And then she got to do it again with uh, Catherine, I guess, yes, later Catherine. on, you know. But yeah, Alexis was just a nice person. I felt bad for Alexis. Everybody kept saying she's Angelique. You, right. you know you are. Tell, and it's like, no, let her be her own person. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know. I had my doubts, too.
too when I first saw it. I'm like, uh-huh. is it Alexis? Is that or, or uh-huh. is she pretending? Yeah. Because we know who Angelique is. I mean, she pretended to be Cassandra for however long. It's like, I bet it's Angelique. And then I was shocked that, oh my gosh, I feel bad now because it actually is her twin sister. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm uh I'm glad you pointed out. Yeah, it's, she's the descendant of the of Angelique in the parallel time band. But I, I'm glad you pointed out she's not really. I mean, she practices. She she uses the occult to her uh, advantage, and she. But I don't see her as a witch. So in the same way, like that right. Angelique in the main, like Angelique in the main time band is like a super witch. Like she's all the way a witch. Whereas I see the Angelique in parallel time more like almost like an advanced Evan Hanley. Like if Evan Hanley became yeah. really adept at using the occult, I think because kind of not this, although she has this whole coming back from the dead thing and right. sucking people's life force out, out of them, you know, uh, so that that aspect as well as it plays into it. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I I agree with you uh, there. But I think she is more. You, sometimes you feel bad for the main time band Angelique, especially as it goes along. Sometimes you kind of, you know, her, her character evolves. Whereas the parallel time Angelique is just like she's pretty vicious. Like she's is. <laughs> there isn't much sympathy there for for that character. Uh, so, Jewel, what about you? What are your thoughts? Angelique's really interesting because here's a woman who knows that she was murdered. She figures out yeah. she was murdered. And she could easily just stick with what Cyrus Longworth's opinion is. But she doesn't. She's mm-hmm. not somebody who's like, I want to just lynch Quentin. She could. Yeah. Um, it, it's really interesting because it, though she is cold-blooded at times, this isn't the same... If this were our Angelique, everybody would be 86 in like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, did she like forget the investigation, just everyone's going. But yeah, <laughs> like doesn't do that. And I think that's really just great acting by Laura Parker, not just playing Angelique, but playing Alexis. And yeah. you know, here's this. I think what she didn't realize was too was though she flirted with these men, she didn't realize how much they were in love with her because mm-hmm. they they were so much in love with her that they could not stand her being with another man, even though that other man is related to them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I mean, to, to the point where, you know, Bruno's wrote is the one who wrote the song, the ode to Angelique. And then you have, uh, what, what, what about the murder mystery? Did you know? I mean, I put a spoiler tag at the beginning of this show, but uh, so spoilers, <laughs> but did you know when you were watching it that Roger was the, the killer? Like, did you figure it out early on that it was Roger? No. Cause I didn't no. either. When I first saw this <laughs> many years ago, I didn't, uh, it was uh it, I thought it was Quentin, actually, because but he's the most obvious choice. But I was it seemed like the, there was that seething kind of it's like, does Quentin love Angelique or does he hate Angelique? But you could see but, but with Roger, that kind of which is kind of funny, because with the Roger aspect, like it in a little bit, it shouldn't surprise you because of Roger's past, you know, going all the way back to like the Burke Devlin. And oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like he's got a past like yeah. he could he could kill somebody. He could hurt somebody. He could be. Um, yeah. If he had continued down that path of being, yeah. you know, and I kind of, an awful I kind of look at it that way, like yeah. that's the path he took. The parallel time, Roger, is that path mm-hmm. that he might have taken. Like, I don't, but I did not figure it out. I didn't think it was Roger. 
<laughs> I didn't. I think I think Rogers mostly un, is is one of the most unchanged characters from Parallel Time. He kind of is the same, you know, as he is in Regular Time too. I, I suspected Bruno. I, oh, you know, Bruno. Yeah, okay, he yeah. was a lover too, so much that he wrote a song for her. You know, and I just. Yeah. I think maybe I don't know. I suspected Bruno too, but I did suspect Quentin too. I'm like, I bet, I bet she just drove him nuts, you know. And <laughs> but not Roger. I didn't expect yeah. Roger. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jewel? They need to take David Selby to the Overlook Hotel, give him an axe, and have him chop through a door. But instead of saying, "Here's Johnny," here's Quentin, because this is the OG Jack Torrance to me. I mean, <laughs> does. <laughs> Really, when you think about Quentin in Parallel Time, he hates his, he hates the woman who's dead. He hated Angelique. Yeah. He doesn't he well, I should say he makes it easy for you to believe he murdered her long before he's ever suspected. Yeah. Because yeah. he's always drinking, he's talking to ghosts. This literally is what Jack Ports is gonna go on to do in the shiny in every way. Yeah. But now to give to be fair, did he murder Angelique? No. But did he did he easily make himself a suspect? Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, for sure. Quentin in parallel time is uh he's kind of a jerk. Like he's he's just really, really turbulent. Like I love Quentin in the main time. Quentin in the main time band was a jerk too, but he was charming. He was a rogue, you know, but this yeah. Quentin is not really charming so much as he's volatile. He has like a, a temper, you know, yeah. poor Maggie for no apparent reason, you oh. know, she'll say something and it'll, he'll flip yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. relax, Quentin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where, where, uh, where did like I was thinking about parallel time Quentin too? He must be a descendant of Quentin, like 1897 parallel time Quentin. Maybe his son, like he had a son and a daughter. Maybe the son he was never cursed as a werewolf or whatever. And maybe the son survived, and this must be his descendant. I would assume, right? I would think so. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So we have this whole thing happening. Angelique uh, is uh, Alexis shows up at the house. What about the uh, William and Carolyn Loomis, that whole Tennessee Williams thing we have? What about the, them as a couple and uh, and the whole thing with Barnabas being locked, chained in the coffin? Thoughts on that? You're you're, you're welcome, Andrice. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, she was a big Dark Shadows fan, and I guarantee that inspired her to write an interview with a vampire. Guarantee, because she's the late Anne Rice. She used to talk about being a Dark Shadows fan. She was pretty open about that. So, hey, maybe that storyline kind of stuck in the back of her head. You know, I really wish Barnabas would have left William actually write his life mm -hmm. and not it turned him right away and then slowly because really by the time barnabas gets out of the coffin so many things have transpired in 1970 parallel time a lot of bad things have transpired maggie maggie has left the house and rightfully so mm -hmm. but i think with william and his his bride carolyn i love this because you could even though they bicker, you can sense a love between the two. Long before Night of Dark Shadows, and I know Carolyn's not playing the Collins at that point, or sorry, Nancy Barrett's not 
college at that point but with this she is and but she's married to William Loomis I love them as a couple I really do yeah it you said Nancy Barrett does a good job when Will when Will jumps when Will dies Nancy sells her butt off Oh yeah, oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'll always say it about Dark Shadows. They, the actors, the quality of those actors. Then, I believed anything they said and did. Like it was so believable and so good. I, yeah. I can, I can't, I can never get over it. It was so good. Agreed. But, Agreed. The, yeah. The chemistry between these two. It's not chemistry you would expect Carolyn and Willie to have. You know, because the Willie that we know is, you know, started off as kind of a dirtbag, you know, and and creepy and very cringy. And, you know, Carolyn held a gun to his face. (laughs) And, And in this parallel time, you know, they're they're married and they're they they bicker, you know, like married people do. And and, you know, you're not sure if they're really happy, but then there are moments where you're like, yeah, they're that's their ride or die right there. And and they and they sold it. Those actors sold it so well. It's like I don't know. I I, I did like them as a couple too. I, it's just not one that I expected and I, I was pleasantly surprised by them. Yeah. And I think the writers and Dan Curtis must have been too, because after this, you start seeing John Carlin and Nancy Barrett paired up in, um, yes. in 1840 and then 1841 parallel time as well. They, they, they must have you know seen that chemistry happening there for sure. Um, real quick with Roger and, uh, and Liz, Elizabeth is here too. Another kind of thing that's opposite to the main time then is that here Roger and Elizabeth are the poor relations, you know, they're kind of like Quentin gives them a kind of a, an allowance, you know, yeah. <laughs> as yeah. opposed to being like, you know, they're kind of in charge of Collinwood in the meantime. And here we don't have David, we have Daniel Collins, uh, uh, Quentin's son, Daniel, which is interesting. And then we also have Chris Jennings. Chris Jennings is Chris Collins, as we found out in the meantime, and he is a Collins yeah. here. Chris and Amy are legit Collinses. And it's such, it's such a shame that, um, Don Briscoe left the show partway through Parallel Time pretty early on and had to be replaced by Ken McEwen, uh, who then was uh, Larry Chase. And he did a, 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 you know, an acceptable job playing that Larry Chase. He was he was fine. But I would have liked to have seen Don Briscoe continue on with the show. It's sad that he that he left. I think Amy stayed on a little longer, Denise Nickerson. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we have this happening. Barnabas is chained up in the coffin. We have this uh, Rebecca storyline happening where everyone is obsessed with the the dead Angelique. Her twin sister comes back. She is replaced. She goes to Angelique's grave. She's replaced by the real Angelique. Everyone thinks, you know, burns the coffin. They have no idea. Eventually, of course, Hoffman, Hoffman is suspicious and, you know, figures it as she knows her better than anyone. Hoffman figures out. Grayson Hall was so good as Hoffman. What an what another just fascinating like in the main time band dr Ho- it's, she's a doctor julia hoffman's a doctor she's a br- brilliant scientist uh you know morally ambiguous at times but at first when we meet julia in the main time band she's more 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 morally ambiguous because she's obsessed with with you know she's found this undead creature and she then falls in love with him but she you know we we love julia hoffman but this julia is cold and not a nice person at all really nasty to mag too like really nasty what did you all think of uh hoffman she is very frigid 
yeah. Very, very <laughs> and but but a damn good housekeeper, you know, she just <laughs> ran the house with a with an iron fist, and you know, yeah. and it's so so different from Doctor Hoffman that we know yeah. and love, you know. And the only person she showed any kind of emotion to was Angelique. Like yeah. anybody else, it was very business like, mm-hmm. very transactional. But with Angelique, mm-hmm. and with Angelique, we we see the heart of Julia Hoffman and. Mm-hmm. parallel time you know but yeah. that's i think that's the only place we see it you know yeah. like i think julia hoffman as a human period no matter what time band we might be playing in and looking at julia no matter what she is drawn to bizarre stuff yeah like it was barnabas and then then she worshiped angelique like i think at yeah. that point at least with Julia, she's just drawn to bizarre no matter what. And she'll go that far to support, like support, supporting Barnabas the way she did, like keeping all those secrets, trying to cure him, hiding him, hiding her own identity from his family. And then pretty much I, I kind of, I see the same thing with Angelique. It's just, it, it was crazy. That That's the one thing that remained. I feel like the same with Julia, no matter where she went. So what about you, Jewel? She's very, you see other characters like this too, like Aristide, or Aristide's loyalty yeah. to Patofe is just extreme. Yeah. And that's that's Julia in parallel time, Julia Hoffman, or as they just call her Hoffman at times. Yeah. Her loyalty to Angelique is to the extreme. I mean, she would kill for this woman. Oh, and yeah. almost does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, you know, there you'll you'll see characters like this in other franchises where they're so loyal to the cause or so loyal to one specific character nothing else matters sure they do other things like their job like she does her job sure but she does it because she knows she has to to maintain to be in this place where her the person she cared for most is or was. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, she's. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the um, the film adaptation of Rebecca, the Alfred Hitchcock film from 1940. Uh, it's a, it's a great film uh, if you haven't seen it. But Ju- Judith Anderson plays Mrs. Danvers in that. She's scary as hell. She is just really terrifying in that. Just great performance. Um, and uh, But Grayson Hall measures up pretty well in, the, in that role uh, to, to Judith Anderson, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, excellent, excellent points there. Now, another moving on here to so we've covered some of this rebecca storyline but we also uh, concurrently have the dr jekyll and mr hyde storyline happening which is uh, another big part of this uh so i'm going to just read the summary here and then we'll just dive into this meanwhile Cyrus Longworth, a scientist friend of Quentin, is conducting experiments that will separate the good and evil in people. He drinks the formula that he has been working on, which causes him to transform into a dark-haired, mustachioed evil being who names himself John Yeager. In his Yeager persona, he terrorizes several of the inhabitants of Collinsport, including his assistant, Sabrina. Yeager later kidnaps Maggie Evans and keeps her captive in the basement of an old farmhouse. Cyrus, feeling badly about what he has done, tells Barnabas where Maggie is, then prepares to kill himself. However, he changes back into Jaeger. Jaeger goes to Maggie and prepares to kill her. Barnabas saves Maggie and kills Jaeger. As he dies, he changes back to Cyrus. But did his fake nose survive? 
just interrupting here with a couple of additional thoughts. Another parallel time reversal that we see happening here is, ooh, there's a thunderstorm happening right now. How, how appropriate. I don't know if that's being picked up. Um, another reversal that we see happening here is the fact that Barnabas is rescuing Maggie from the monster who's holding her prisoner. Uh, an, an interesting reversal here because in the main time band, Barnabas was the monster who was holding Maggie prisoner. Now there's a reversal here happening. Uh, and just additional thoughts on Maggie. We didn't really get into talking about Maggie Collins, who is the uh, analog for the second Mrs. DeWinter in Rebecca. And uh, Maggie is really an admirable character in this storyline. I, I Often, Catherine Lee Scott ended up playing the victim role, uh, but she had Moxie, just like our Maggie Evans did. Uh, and in this time band, Maggie has a sister, Jennifer Evans, who we never get to meet. I really felt for the parallel time version of Maggie because everyone is so cruel to her, especially Roger and Hoffman. Uh, they're just really awful to her. And um, interestingly, if you go back and listen to the Grayson Hall episode with R.J. Jameson and Steve Shutt, Steve put forth the idea that Roger was coded as queer in parallel time and Hoffman as well. So it's interesting that those two characters are particularly nasty to the girl next door, Maggie Collins, you know, Maggie Evans, formerly Maggie Evans, now Maggie Collins. Uh, but it kind of makes you wonder if we were going to look at this from um, sort of analyzing it outside of the story itself, which I don't normally do. But uh, is this some kind of a middle finger to the man that these two characters especially are really nasty to this more traditional you know, girl next door type character. I don't know, just the thought. I could definitely picture the Dark Shadows writers doing something like that. Anyway, just b back to Maggie Collins. Everyone is so mean to her, not only Roger and Hoffman, but Quentin too. Quentin is really, as I mentioned earlier in the uh, podcast, Quentin is very nasty to Maggie at times. Uh, and then of course, uh, Angelique, when, when she shows up on the scene. Uh, so she's definitely really uh, the center of a lot of persecution that's happening in this time band, but uh, another great performance there by Catherine Lee Scott as Maggie Collins. So thoughts on um, on Cyrus and Yaker? One of the best Jekyll and Hyde you'll ever see without this to me, Christopher Pennock is to me one of his best performances as a character. I love Jeb, but this character just... I love the death because the complexity of a scientist who is trapped in his own body, who doesn't really appreciate himself really in every way. He gets he gets that he's called upon many times and the responsibility of that, but he wants more. And that greed of wanting more is what causes him to want really do this experiment, in my view. Him wanting some sort of po more power that he mm -hmm. It, nothing, it wasn't enough. What he had was never enough. And you see characters like this on Dark Shadows that just don't have enough. But to this extent was really interesting to me, like him him killing women, him having this weapon. This this to me is the best, again, Jekyll and Hyde without actually copying and pasting Jekyll and Hyde because I had seen so many Jekyll and Hyde's by this point. When you see Christopher, he does not do it like a Jekyll and Hyde. I love, I love the name he comes up with, and he's writing, he's writing the guy checks. He's writing the guy checks, and it's like, really, dude, you're you're giving the guy a bank account? Like, <laughs> holy cow! 
quick. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's kind of like you were saying, Jewel, like off of, like we've seen people, you know, down and out and wanting more, always wanting more. But like, even like between um, Cyrus and I would even say Julia and Lang, Dr. Lang, having that much power, like scientifically, like, it's like a God complex, like, and they just have to go there, especially like with Cyrus, like he was like, I'm going all the way, kind of like selling your soul to science, you know, like, and um, John Yeager, I will say he scared me. He scared me. And he's he's scary. Yeah, he got to play. So like you said, with Jeb, it was a great character. He did it so well, but he got to play a lot, constantly going back and forth with Jaeger and Cyrus. It was so it was great. I loved it. He got to play and good and evil, like right in front of you. And it was crazy how he switched it up. I loved it. I agree. Definitely. And I, I love Cyrus. Cyrus, I, I like you, Jill, Cyrus Longworth, John Yeager is my favorite Christopher Pinnock characters. And Cyrus, because he's such a good man, he's so smart and he's shy. You know, he's even shy about asking the woman he loves, who is his assistant, you know, the only woman probably he spends any time with and, you know, is even shy about asking her to marry him, you know, and, you know, she he just leaves the ring for her to find, you know, and hopes she gets it you know and but and then you have john yeager who at, at first i'm like well but why is he evil he's just he's kind of like a willie loomis causing trouble but then you know as i go back and i watch it more oh. it's like whoa you yeah. know there's a point where he's beating the crap out of buffy and he's yeah. you know doing other things that were implied to buffy yeah it yeah. shocked me and i'm like the fact that he went back and forth so easily you know and and he's cyrus he was so good but he he was like why do i why, why do I want to do this? He was like, because, because it fascinates me. That's why he was so close with Angelique because evil fascinated him and yeah. being a man of science, he could go there. So he did, you know, he, he, he needed the number of the chemist that Angelique had because he was just so consumed by it. And yeah. he, he was like, why, why do I, why do I keep doing this? And, and the, you know, the voice I was like, because I want to. I want to. And mm-hmm. that was just, that summed it up perfectly. But, but yeah, I, I, I loved this part of parallel time. I loved Cyrus Longworth and John Yeager. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah. So. Excellent. Yeah. It's uh he was, Chris Pennock was the perfect choice for, to play the, that dual roles of, uh, of Cyrus and John Yeager. And you made some excellent points there with regard to Cyrus being drawn to Eve, to Angelique, because he's fascinated by, by evil. And um, a lot of, you know, times people think of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and they know, oh, Jekyll's the good one and Hyde's the bad one. And that's, that's not the case. Jekyll is both yes. good and bad. He, Hyde is part of Dr. Jekyll. Hyde is the one who is the pure distilled evil. And I know John Yeager can be difficult to watch sometimes because of what you pointed out. He is monstrous. I mean, but that is what Hyde is. Hyde is pure distilled evil and Dark Shadows got it right. Like Jewel pointed out, it's one of the best versions of Jekyll and Hyde to the point where they even in Stevenson's novella, people when Hyde enters a room, he distorts the very atmosphere because he is so, there is such such wickedness, that pure id, that it perverts the air itself. The, there's a feeling of evil. And, and I, a couple of the characters in Dark Shadows mentioned that, like, I, I never felt 
this yeah. before this feeling of of evil and he had this wild quality to him just very you know Pennock was very good at playing that mm-hmm. crazy you know and he just got skeevier and nastier as he went along he was really kind of kind of gross but it was so fun watching Jekyll and Hyde on Dark Shadows you know like so I loved Cyrus you know especially at first but then Cyrus starts to really enjoy just like Jekyll and Hyde he starts to enjoy escaping into into Jaeger but I love those scenes where he just starts spontaneously turning into Jaeger like he's in the right oh and then Collinwood in the drawing room and then you see his hand and you see the hair on the back of his (laughs) hand and then he cuts it he's like there with the mustache and everything it's like oh it's great and I felt so so bad for Buffy, though. Poor oh, Buffy oh, Harrington. You know, my heart went out. She was the Ivy analog from the the what they were doing in the movies, like the the Frederick March film and stuff like that. Like she was that character, but you feel so badly for her. Um, it was the things she goes through with uh, with Johnny. And she like, started to fall for him too. You know, she yeah. started to kind of fall for him. I'm like, no, Buffy, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's bad news there. But yeah. stopped him when he tried to do the same thing to Maggie. You know, she she saved Maggie from you know the same thing happening to her too so yeah so, I have to say yeah, it was <laughs> it was so sad. As much as I loved watching Jaeger and and Longworth and Pennock's portrayal of those, just Christopher Pennock is just so much fun to watch. But it was so satisfying when Barnabas kills him and he stabs him with the sword cane and says, "What are you?" And Barnabas says, "You'll never find out." Never. One of the yeah. best soul-saving moments, too, for that character, for Cyrus, is him making the phone call to the old house. Yes, correct. Because, yeah. you know, yep. for as much as, you know, John Yeager is his heel, here's Cyrus along with, like, he knows he's got to stop it, but he can't, really. Yeah. But he's got to find somebody who will at least try. Yeah. And I think that dawned on Cyrus. I, I've got to make a phone call. And it is, you've got to find, here's where Maggie is. He tells Barnabas, it's his last decent act. As, True. As that yeah. Good yeah. point. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, it's, that, you're right. That's it. Yeah, I know. Right. I, yeah, for sure. Um it, yeah, it was great, great stuff. Dark Shadows did that with so many things. You know, they wove yeah. all these different storylines into classic stories into the into the mix. Well, so, that's that's the fun part of it. Like the different writers taking their different aspects on mm-hmm. the classic Jekyll and Hyde and the Portrait of Dorian Gray, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's that's the fun part. Like all these different writers getting to see each different aspect and how they do it. And Dan Curtis, he even said it himself. He was like, we, I ran out, I ran out of stuff. He was like, I don't know what else to do, which was awesome. Like he touched (laughs) almost everything you could think of. Mm -hmm. And his portrayal of it was great. Really great. Like, and the interviews that did it for him. So good. And I I love, uh, you mentioned the writers, one writer, that came back to the show was Joe Caldwell. Uh, yeah. He's the, the last surviving Dark Shadows writer that I'm aware of. Um, Joe Caldwell, he wrote some of those great Barnabas episodes uh, early on. And then he came back for Parallel Time. And there's one great the episode where Barnabas gets released where uh, there's only a kinescope that's that survives of it, but it's Barnabas. And it feels like an early Barnabas episode. It's where he, where he you know, he he uh, he bites Willie and then he goes to Collinwood and he's going to bite Maggie. And then there's this whole 
very gothic, spooky feel to to that episode. Yeah, Joe Caldwell was great. He was a, he was a, he is a fantastic writer. Um, so we have this going on. Um, he uh, is dispatched in the final act of Parallel Time. So once. The Jaeger, oh, I have to say the Jaeger and Angelique team up was really fun too. Briefly, there was like a little. Oh my god! Happened there too. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, this is great. Um, <laughs> villain team up. Um, mm-hmm. The last kind of act here of Parallel Time is Hoffman learns Barnabas is a vampire and prepares to drive a stake through his heart. The original version of Julia Hoffman shows up and kills Parallel Julia, saving Barnabas. Original Julia assumes the identity of parallel Julia in order to learn Angelique's plans. Julia finds a person called Roxanne Drew who is being used to keep Angelique alive. Angelique goes weak whenever Roxanne regains consciousness. Roger Collins becomes increasingly unstable, reveals he was the one who killed Angelique. Roger then murders Carolyn as well as Elizabeth. Angelique then kills Roger by draining him of his life energy warmth. Roxanne regains consciousness, which causes Angelique to die. Timothy Stokes, Angelique's stepfather, sets fire to Collinwood to avenge Angelique's death and commits suicide by allowing the flames to consume him. Quentin and Maggie manage to escape the burning Collinwood, but Roxanne is trapped inside the house while Barnabas and Julia are trapped in the parallel time room. It sends them back to the future of their own timeline. So that's where parallel time wraps up. Now, a lot is happening here. I didn't even, there were several characters I didn't even mention here. Claude North is one that was like, they made a big deal of Claude North, but then that kind of didn't go anywhere. It was like, who is this Claude North? But we get Roxanne, who is this big new character, and we meet Timothy Stokes, the parallel time version of Professor Stokes, who is also into the occult. Uh, like our Professor Stokes is, he's as an expert in the occult, this Professor Stokes is super seedy, though. Yeah. He's really seedy yeah. and like, oh, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. with his mustache and his like, brand. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, he's he's into the occult. And we also meet Roxanne, the new um, uh, actress who's brought into Dark Shadows. Donna Wandry is introduced to the show uh, and she will be featured in the next couple of storylines to a, a version of Roxanne. So tell me what are your thoughts and kind of like how parallel time wrapped up here and the introduction of these characters of Roxanne and Timothy Stokes and some of this other stuff and the, and the demise of Angelique. I think Timothy really... Him, him trying to teach Angelique a lesson sort of helped set up this downfall a bit. And really, he's where Quentin, we, we know how Quentin hates Angelique. Timothy, her own father, sort of became annoyed with her. But then he tries to sort of redeem himself and help her. And he explains to her about Roxanne's, you know, the body, shows it to her, which is really interesting. You have this sleeping beauty type character who's laying there, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And mm-hmm. I love how when Barnabas, when we see Barnabas and Julia in the room, he touches her and her eyes open. It's one of the most, it, it sort of gives you a goosebump feel moment. Like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And it made you sort of think right away, well, there's going to be something here between Barnabas and Roxanne. There's going to be a love angle. At least that was, you know, my interpretation of it, which was interesting to me, would have been really cool to see. We sort of somewhat get that, but not completely because <laughs> Stokes is not happy that he's not happy with Barnabas at all. He stole the body. He's going to 
you know, does the question mark of does um, Roxanne die in parallel time is one of the uh, best unanswered questions in my view. Um, real quick, I'm I'm sorry to just I have to go, but oh. I just I want to thank you for having me on. But oh, it's my pleasure, Jewel. Uh, thank you for you know for taking the time to join us, and you had some great insights. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Bye, Bye Jewel. Bye. Bye. Take care. <laughs> Right. But, bye, Jewel. But now that he's gone, <laughs> kind of off of what he was saying, he took the words out of my mouth. It was like this sleeping beauty aspect to Roxanne and kind of going back to like Timothy and um, Angelique's relationship. Like when Alexis first came on and was talking to um, somebody, I can't remember. She, she was explaining, <laughs> she was explaining that, um, oh, it was to Quentin that um, she was like, no, I don't want to see my father i don't we have we've been estranged for this long he's favored angelique and we just kind of grew apart at that moment when you're watching it you're like that totally sounds like an angelique excuse to get him to believe that she's really alexis and not angelique but um it, it was kind of you, you kind of get that background with angelique i was like well if she's into the occult or a witch or whatever we kind of it's like her father, stepfather, father was like kind of like her teacher, kind of led her into that and kind of, you know, introduced her to that and kind of gave us a background or an excuse or a reasoning to understand yeah, why Angelique was who she was. I kind of liked seeing that. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Kristen? I like the way that, well, I mean, they, they left the, like so many of the other sagas got wrapped up, like it was completely wrapped up, but I feel like parallel time left us on such a cliffhanger, like with Roxanne, like we, you know, professor, professor Stokes, Stokes in parallel time, he, he died in the fire. That was how he wanted to go. But before he did that, he murdered Claude North because Claude North Mm -hmm. didn't want to give Roxanne back because he, I, that that storyline is so like obscured and we it's it's very very cloaked we don't we don't see very much of that and and we don't we don't get very much background but but we know that he killed claude north because he didn't want to give roxanne back and then he kind of feels like he went off the deep end especially after angelique died and stayed dead you know because there was no way for him to bring her back and took his revenge on the collinses like so many people do but Mm. But then we just we don't know what happens to Maggie and Quentin because all of a sudden they're in 1995 and the room has been destroyed and how are they going to get back to their own time and it's just it's crazy I I, I mean I like the way they they left it on a cliff cliffhanger but they immediately just threw us into the Gerard and Daphne era you know yeah it was just yep yep they just kind of like we're done here let's go (laughs) yeah I I know it being like two different time bands technically but like when Timothy burnt down Collinwood and everything and then this next moment you pretty much see Barnabas and Julia in the 95 with the totally shabby Collinwood I couldn't help it but it's like what happened did something like that happen we just skipped you know ahead 20 something years but what yeah, happened no like yeah, what was right. the mirror what was the mirror action of that in their time band like it has always got me wondering and i'm still i still wonder as like i wish we could have seen just that little piece of what happened because yeah, yeah. just oh. to kind of give us closure on that and dark shadows yeah. kind yeah. of notorious for that with just kind of leaving things like after interpretation <laughs> yeah it would have been nice to have a little closure on some some of those yeah. things where it's like well <laughs> 
let's kill all these characters and move on to, to the next thing. Um, but um, one thing I was going to ask is about Roxanne. Like, what, what were your thoughts on that character? I really, I, I loved Roxanne as a character and I, I got to thinking about it. And I think Roxanne is the only character that was introduced in parallel time that we didn't already know. Like she yeah. showed up later totally on. brand new. Like yeah. she's brand, brand new. And we had, we had no idea who she was. It's like, where did this girl come from? And, and, and that's kind of when we get the Claude North thing, but, but her being a psychic and being able to, you know, communicate with people and, and ultimately save Julia's life because, you know, she found her in the darkest depths of Collinwood and, I, lo- I loved her character and I, and I loved her psychic ability. She didn't like to use it, but when she did use it, she tended to use it for good and not evil, you know, like, like so many people involved in the occult and, and parallel time. And she's very sweet. And, and that was kind of an opposite too. When we get her in regular present time, she's a vampire, you yeah. know, and it's, it's such a switch. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when, when Roxanne first came on the scene, like my, my mind immediately jump to um amanda harris okay like, yeah. Kind of, yeah only kind of in the aspect of where did she come from yeah was she created i mean was she born is she human yeah i mean that's that was my first impression with roxanne i was like who is she what is she yeah and then as we go on we kind of understand like with the claude north and stuff like mm-hmm. angelique's life force kind of like adam for barnabas kind of yeah but I don't, she was so fascinating and angelic. If I say. Yeah. Rox- other, there's something otherworldly about yes. uh, Roxanne yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like it's a, something very uh, ethereal almost that you're like, what, yeah. what, what is this character? The only thing I was going to say though, is I, I had a difficult time buying that Barnabas, <laughs> I guess because he had been fixated on Josette for the whole series up until that point. And I know Josette's ghost shows up to him in Levi- Leviathan and says it's time, you know, basically tell him it's time to move on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I had a difficult time because even before that, he was still even fixating on parallel time, Maggie, because she looks mm-hmm. like Josette. But then all of a sudden... He's in love with this Sleeping Beauty character. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I had a difficult, and I talked about this in the last episode, maybe it's just the age difference, maybe it just wasn't, I was, it wasn't registering for me, the chemistry there, or, um, or maybe it was just the, the whole, like, well, up to this point, he's been obsessed with Josette and now he's shifting to right. Roxanne. So I don't know. I, I feel like I bought it more in 1840 than I did in Parallel yeah. Time. Yeah. Know, yeah, because mm-hmm. it was that that's kind of what it was in that period. You know, it didn't matter that an older guy was, you know, with a younger girl. But I, I feel I bought it more. It felt more um, I felt more chemistry there. But, you know, instead of parallel time, but it, it felt better in 1840, I think. Yeah. He's the one who made her like she was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, which is a whole other conversation with a vampire thing. And and it's like, how did that (laughs) work? Like, yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah, yeah, the the 1970 parallel. uh, I guess they have shag haircuts too in in parallel time. (laughs) I didn't like that. (laughs) Like Donna Wandry's rocking the shag hairstyle. She is. I I haven't seen, she hasn't done anything. Like, like, like I know a lot of the actors came back for like the Big Finish audios and then the, um, 
Christmas Carol, and then they did the Halloween reunion. But I haven't seen Donna Wandry show up in anything lately. I wonder what she's up to these days. I've yeah. seen and heard that her and Marie Wallace are kind of a pair. They come together, you know. So I was oh, surprised okay. she wasn't on your show too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I should have asked her about that. I should ask her about that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, there were other characters too that we didn't touch on that were fun to watch too, like um, Paula Lawrence as uh, Aunt Hannah Stokes. Yes. She was, she was a, she was a hoot, very theatrical yeah. and very entertaining. That's another dropped thing though. Like they just, once Stokes yeah. show, uh, Timothy Stokes shows up, it's like, where's, where did Hannah go? She's just, yeah. she's just <laughs> gone. It would have been nice to have like one line and just like, oh, Aunt Hannah, Aunt Hannah had to go to Europe on business or whatever. Right. I don't know. Uh, she kind of had that uh, Countess to do pray air about her but she was more spunky yeah yeah definitely not so bougie <laughs> yeah yes yeah 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 eccentric and uh yeah and had um uh, horace gladstone uh as well yeah. which yeah. was re- he was really fun the, the chemist character uh so they they had a lot of fun characters show up during parallel time oh the other thing i was going to say too uh, with regard to roxanne and the whole claude north thing i wish roxanne would have a little more to a little more just like i want i almost wanted her to tell tell claude north off sometimes just because he's <laughs> Like, yes. it's like you don't own Roxanne. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you gave her like as if she was your possession to Stokes to use yeah. to keep his daughter uh, alive. That's right. really messed up. It's like Roxanne should have been. I don't know. Consulted at least. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely really fun stuff with the with the parallel time storyline. Any closing thoughts on this uh storyline from either of you or both of you? There was one, there was one person, persons, I wish we could have gotten a little more backstory on because it was just like this much, like we saw this much and then didn't get anything else. It was it was Trask and Damien Edwards. Oh yes, oh, like, like it came yes. out. I know that it came out that Bruno's the one who killed Damien, but but Trask gets just as nervous when his name is mentioned and when he sees him. And it's like, what did Trask have to do with Damien Edwards' death? You know, and we just we never yeah. got that. And I kind of wish yeah. we had, you know. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, I they, let it go. But <laughs> <laughs> they did set that up. You know, they had that whole setup, uh, and then yeah, they just did not follow through on that yeah. i agree yeah. uh it was fun to see jerry lacy play a butler uh at, yeah. at, at trask the butler that was yeah that was such a fun. yeah it was because you know he was still pretty shady but you saw you've all seen trask is always like this love to hate him kind of character but this is it's also mm. but in a very different vein and then it makes you wonder like was they're a descendant of of Trask in the in the present. Like, is Tony Peterson really like a, a long lost descendant of Trask? Maybe I swear, I have always thought that. I swear, really? yeah. there's got to be something. Maybe, <laughs> but, maybe like in his family tree somewhere, mm-hmm. he's he's related to to Trask, or at least Humphrey Bogart. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have that, that them and then yeah damien edwards too that was he was a very well-dressed ghost for sure he surely was he surely was <laughs> he had a lot of taste a lot of class all right well thank you very much for discussing parallel time with me yes. tell it tell tell us where we can find your podcast um you can find us on youtube um between the shadows that's all you got to do and we facebook also we're there and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts we're, we're there and twitter we're both on Twitter now. Twitter. 
anchor. Very cool. And I, I will definitely put a link to Between the Shadows uh, in the show that. notes for sure. <laughs> and of course, for President of Collinwood as, as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you both again for joining me and taking the time to discuss our favorite show. Uh, and it was so much fun. And I look forward to seeing you. And I will promise you I'll keep it between us in the shadows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And for as long as they lived, the dark shadows never truly vanished, for there will always be Terror at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a Penny Dreadful production.